We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Right. Good morning. Hey, and uh, as Pastor Muta mentioned, uh, we have he and I have been meeting together for four years, and uh, in a uh, mentoring uh, kind of relationship, we're calling each other upward to be men of integrity, men who honor God with our lives. And so, uh, you know, for me, it's a great joy and a pleasure to be with you today to share on this whole idea of biblical manhood. And, um, you know, you might be thinking today, if you're a lady in here, you might be thinking, hey, what does that have to do with me, you know? Well, you know what? Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to, to just, we're going we're gonna to go through a few men in Scripture, and we're going to actually even do some contrasting. You know, the, you've been doing a wonderful series here called Different, and uh, we're going to find out that being a biblical man is being different than the world's way of doing things. And so... Um, you know, if you're a man here today, take note. If you're a young woman here today and, uh, and you're looking for a man, take note. You want to find a biblical man, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, but uh, we're, we're just going to dive in. So let's open with a word of prayer, and we're going to just get into the word. Father God, we come to you in the mighty and in the precious name of Jesus. We want to thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to be together. I thank you for Relevant Church. I thank you for the passion that this group of believers has for this community, their love for you, Lord Jesus, and their love for people, and their love for one another. I just pray that you'll bless our time in the Word, let your Word speak to us in powerful ways, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are going to jump into uh, biblical manhood, and uh, we're going to start with this first slide. This is some words that King David gave to his son Solomon when he was going to take over the kingdom. He was passing the baton to Solomon to reign over the nation of Israel. Now, many of you know that David was probably one of the most effective leaders in history. And, uh, and for him to pass on the baton was super significant because the nation of Israel was called not just to bring blessings to themselves, but God anointed and called the nation of Israel to bring blessings to the whole world, to every people, every tongue, every tribe, every nation on the face of the earth. And so this was a huge responsibility that David was passing on to Solomon. And this is what he says, be strong now and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do. So David is telling Solomon, he's saying, Solomon, you know what? There is a history in the Bible. There is a history for you to follow. And, uh, and I want you to take note of that. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, okay? Before we do that, I want to I contrast men in the Bible that, that were contemporaries in order for us to get a little idea of what this is in regard to biblical manhood. Because, you know, like your series is on different, we're going to see that biblical men are different than worldly men. All right? So let's start out here with a, with a few slides here. We've got, I've got listed here seven, 
seven, or actually 14 men, but uh, there's seven, uh, and we're going to just hit on four of them, all right? We're going to start with Abel. And uh, how many of you are familiar with Cain and Abel? All right, who killed who? All right, Cain killed Abel. All right, okay. Cain and Abel, the first brothers in history, okay? These guys were the first, these guys were the first brothers in the, in the history of mankind. Now, these brothers were called by God to make a sacrifice, and they were called to sacrifice on their work and what they did. And so uh, Cain came to make a sacrifice, and the Bible tells us that in the course of time, Cain brought some of his sheep or, or whatever he was raising to God for sacrifice, okay? said in the course of time or when he got around to it, okay? Now, it tells us that Abel... Abel gave the first fruits of what he raised, and he brought that to God. Now, which sacrifice did God want? He wanted Abel's, okay? So Abel's had different priorities than Cain. Cain, you know, he wanted to serve God, but he wanted to do it when he wanted to, you know, in the course of time, when I get around to it. Now, Abel gave the first fruits. Do you know what the first fruits are? They're the first fruits, okay? <laughs> That's the first thing. That's off the top. That's the best that I have. I don't have anything. Now I have something. I'm giving it to you, God, okay? So what happened? Cain kills Abel, right? All right, let's go on to another, another person here, okay? Let's talk about Moses and Pharaoh. How many people know who Moses was? All right, he's a good guy, right? Okay, how many of you know who Pharaoh was? All right, now... Who was more powerful, Moses or Pharaoh? Okay, I mean, Pharaoh was the most powerful man on earth, okay? He lived when Egypt was the kingdom of the world, okay? They had everything. They had, they had wealth. They had power. They had military might. They had everything. Of course, we've seen, you know, some of the stuff from King Tut's tomb, you know, those riches. I mean, to us, we're blown away by that stuff. How can anybody have that much money? Okay, that's today when we're rich. Okay, back then nobody had anything, and King Tut had men. He was like powerful. All right, now Moses, Moses, he would be like me going up to Donald Trump and saying, Hey, let my people go. All right, well, the situation was you had 600,000 people living in Egypt who were Israelites, okay, and they were slaves. They weren't free people. They were slaves. And God said, that ain't right. That's not right. You are called to be free people. And so I'm calling you out. And so he sent Moses. Now, Moses, Moses was a fugitive. He was a shepherd. He was somebody that, you know, he didn't have, uh, like, a lot of confidence. He had a speech problem, all right? So he goes to the most powerful man on earth, and he says, let my people go. And the most powerful man on earth says, what? No way. I ain't doing it. Forget it. Get it. Feed it, kid. You know, that's what he said. And Moses came back ten times, and God revealed himself ten times. You know the ten plagues of Egypt. After the tenth plague, when Egypt didn't have anything anymore, okay, all the cattle was gone, all the wheat was gone, he killed their firstborn, okay? Pharaoh finally says, you can go, okay? So Moses is, is a biblical man, all right? Pharaoh is a worldly man. Abel is a biblical man. Cain 
was a worldly man. All right? Now let's take, a, let's take another two people to contrast. Let's take King David and King Saul. All right? Now how many of you know who Saul was? First king in Israel, right? Okay? Now Saul was like the captain of the football team. <laughs> the Bible tells us that Saul, when he stood among his brother and he was head and shoulders above everybody else, okay, he was a big guy. He was handsome. He was he was athletic. He was he was uh, you know a good leader actually. Now David, on the other hand, David was the youngest of eight brothers, and when God told Samuel go to Jesse. And tell him to get his sons together so I can anoint the next king of Israel. Because Saul, who is big and rugged and good looking and a great leader, okay, uh, is not following me. He's doing things his way. He's not doing things my way. He's not obedient to me. He cares about Saul. He doesn't care about me. He says, I'm looking for a man who has a heart after me. So he sends him to Jesse. And he says, Jesse, you're going to pick one. I'm going to pick one of your sons. So Jesse gets his sons together. And first one comes up. His name is Eliab, you know, man's manly man, good looking guy. Looks like a leader. Samuel says, nope, that's not the one. Brings the next one. Nope, that's not the one. Goes through seven brothers. That's not the one. Hey, all the guys, all the, all the sons that you gathered together here, Jesse, they're, they're, they're all here, but uh, I don't see the king. You have any more? He says, "Yeah, I have. A, I have a younger son. They called him a Hakatan. Okay, in Hebrew, that means the insignificant one. He's a little kid that they put out in the field with the sheep uh, to to do that because the the bigger guys were the ones that were going to be, you know, lining up to be the next king in Israel. Okay, God God tells Samuel, "Hey, tell Jesse go get him." <laughs> so David comes. He says. He's a little guy. He's ruddy, he, but he's handsome, okay? <laughs> Good little guy. Anyway, he uh, and David, of course, we know David. You know, he slew Goliath. He did amazing things. God used him in powerful ways to lead the nation of Israel to be the strongest and most powerful nation on earth in order to bring blessings to every people, tongue, and tribe and nation, okay? And that was the, that was the whole purpose there. But God said, I look on the heart. Man looks on the outside appearance. I look on the heart. He saw heart. Okay, let's take Jesus and Herod. Now, you know who Jesus is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we say, hey, you know, we say, who's better, Jesus or Herod? Everybody knows the answer to that, right? <laughs> My wife said, you remember the little thing, you know, they say uh, in the Easter sermon, you know, you remember this little thing that has the ears and the fluffy tail and all that? And the little kid raises his hand. He says, well... I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like the Easter Bunny. You know, I know the answer is always right, you know, when we say Jesus. And you're right. The answer is always right when we say Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. But when Jesus was born, he was born here in a manger. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, emptied himself and became a human being and was born in a manger, not in a hospital, not in a fancy palace, not even in a house or anything like that. He was born in a barn, okay? And he took on humanity, and he made himself very vulnerable. Jesus came as a baby. He had no strength. He had nothing. He had to be taken care of. Herod 
was born in a palace, had everything, had the silver spoon in his mouth. Now, King Herod, when Jesus was born, the king who was named Herod at that time, he had he was a jealous man. He was a vindictive man. He was a cruel guy. And he heard that there was another king in Israel. So he killed all the children, two years old and, and under, uh, in order to eliminate any, any uh, rivals. You know, well, I mean, what a tragic thing that is. Now, he had a, you know, he died and Jesus and his family came back and he had another son, Herod, who took over. Okay. And this Herod was just like his dad. Okay. And it tells us in the book of Acts that, that he died. He got an angel, struck him down and killed him and the worms ate him. All right. Now, Herod had everything. He had a, he had an earthly kingdom. They call Herod uh, the one that was that was here when Jesus was born, they called him Herod the Great because he had great palaces and great, great, uh, you know, uh, structures that he built all around the Middle East at that time. People go and see those now. They're called ruins. <laughs> okay? That's what they're called. They're called ruins. There's nothing there but a pile of rocks. Impressive rocks, but a pile of rocks. Okay? Okay? Now, Jesus has an eternal kingdom. All right. Now, this is something that we need to learn and we need to take make, take note of. And I'm going to read it to you this time because last service I got it wrong because I tried to say it from memory. OK, is that Ken Boa wrote this and he says the, one of the biggest mistakes that we make as human beings is a mathematical mistake. We miscalculate. We miscalculate the brevity of life and the length of eternity. Okay, you know what? Life is very short and eternity is very long. All right. Now, Herod came and he reigned as king for a dot. All right. Now, before him, there was an eternity coming up. Okay. After Herod, there is an eternity. Now, Jesus, you see, he came and he established an eternal kingdom. Okay. He established a kingdom. Jesus was before the beginning. Okay. He was when he was here, and he is forever and ever, all right? Now, Jesus came because he was God Almighty, and he put himself in that human body, and he lived here on the earth, and he became a human being, and he took all of our failures onto himself. You see, he gave us an opportunity for eternity. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? everlasting or eternal life, okay? That's what Jesus is all about. It's a beautiful thing. Now, this would be a great place to stop the message, but I got a little more for you today, all right? Okay, since Cain and Abel, and, you know, we're in the picture, biblical manhood has been a challenge. Of course, Cain killed Abel. That's the way we've been relating to one another as men, generally. It's the world's way of relating, all right? But Jesus, he warned his disciples. He said this. He said, what comes out of the heart of a man is what defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Anybody want to hang out with that guy? No, no. Better watch your back, right? Okay, that's our that's our challenge as human beings. Jesus told his disciples that's that's what we're dealing with. The Bible's very clear about this. 
you know, before Jesus and after Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about man's depravity. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Paul, after Jesus, said this, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6, he says, for the wages of sin is death. We see that happening. You know, biblical manhood has been a challenge from the beginning. All right, because we live in this world, and this world is broken. But you know what? Jesus came, and he made all the difference. He came and turned that on its head. Let's finish out those scriptures. All right, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Jesus took all our sin on him. Romans 3, 23, since the wages, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are justified by his grace as a free gift through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right, see, Jesus turned that all around. He made it possible for us to have biblical manhood. And, uh, and you know what? That's a blessing to everyone. Now, when we see Jesus and we, we think about Jesus' life, how did Jesus relate to people around him? How did Jesus relate to the weak and the powerless? How did he relate to the leper who came up to him and said, you know, hey, if you will, you can heal me? What did he say? I will be healed. Okay. You know, what did he say to the woman at the well who went there in the middle of the day because she didn't want to be seen by anyone? He said, you know what? I'm the son of God, and I came that you could have living water. Okay? How about you guys know Mary Magdalene? This woman was a prostitute, and she had seven demons. What about Mary Magdalene? She was one of Jesus' best friends. She's the first one that saw him after the resurrection. Okay? She is the one that he set free. Okay? Jesus dealt that way with people. You know, we see his, his, his right-hand man, Peter. We hear a lot about Peter. You know, Peter, man, he, he was a rough, he had a few rough edges, you know. He was the guy who was always messing up. But, you know, he kept coming back. He kept coming back. He'd make a mistake and he'd get up. And he'd make a mistake and he'd get up. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what that means? That means that the church is going into the gates of hell, pulling people out and bringing them into the family of God. That's what that means. Okay? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. It's a beautiful thing. That's what biblical manhood is about. That's, what, that's why we're different. That's why God calls us to be different. If you want to take some notes, this, this is stuff I want you to do. I, I want to, if I, I'm thinking, you know, if, if there's, I want you to have a takeaway, okay? I want you to be able to take something away from today, and it's on these notes. So let's just go through that quickly. But in, you remember we talked about Moses, and we talked about him and uh, and. Uh, that he was an amazing leader, that God called him to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery into freedom, okay? But Moses ran into a problem when he started to do that. He had 600,000 people in the wilderness, and when, he, and when they were out in the wilderness, these 600,000 people had some problems with one another. They didn't all get along perfectly. And so from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, Moses was sorting out their problems for them. And uh, his father-in-law, who was in another country, heard about this, and he came to help him out. 
Now, some of us have really good father-in-laws. I happen to have a good father-in-law. My wife's dad, Walter Peck, he was a little German guy, okay? And, uh, and uh, the main thing that I remember about Dad Pecky is, praise the Lord! <laughs> he got saved when he was 32, and when he got saved, he got saved, man. He, he turned his life around, all right? He says, before that, I was a bounder. After that, I followed Jesus. I became the bride of Christ. He said, I may not be too pretty of a bride, but I'm the bride of Christ, he said. And uh, you know what? He was praise the Lord. We call him praise the Lord Pecky. That was his last name. All right? But he also told me, he said, Rod, I don't like donuts without coffee, and I don't like coffee without donuts. Let's go get some coffee. <laughs> I said, would you, Dad? Uh, anyway, Muta knows I like donuts and coffee. Uh, the, uh, you know, but his father-in-law came and he said, Moses, it's not good what's happening here. You're wearing yourself out. I got to give you some advice. So this is what he said to him. Now listen to my voice. I will give you counsel. All right. And, uh, and God will be with you and he's going to, and you're going to represent the people before God and bring them to God. Okay. Now this is what I want you to do says, I want you to do, number one, I want you to teach them God's ordinances and his laws, okay? And I'll, then secondly, I want to teach them how they must walk. And thirdly, I want you to teach them what they must do, okay? So now, if you uh, take a look on your sheet, I'm going to refer to that scripture a few times, okay? So if you look on your sheet, we're going to start with the first one, characteristics of a biblical man. The first characteristic, now if you notice, all the men that we talked about except Jesus were not perfect men, were they? Okay, Abel, even Abel, we don't know much about him, but he wasn't a perfect man, okay? We know that David wasn't a perfect man. We all know about David and Bathsheba, okay? We know Moses wasn't a perfect man. He got mad and struck the rock, okay? So we know that. But you know what? Even though they weren't perfect, they were redeemed. They were redeemed. You know what? David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, he was redeemed by the blood of Jesus before Jesus even was born. See, because God confronted him, he repented, God accepted his repentance because he knew it was from the heart, it was a true repentance, and he was forgiven, okay? Now, that means that even though Biblical men are not perfect men. Biblical men are saints. And you know what? If you confess the name of Jesus, you are a saint. Whether you're a man, woman, child, you are a saint. You are no longer a sinner. You are not defined by your sin. David is not defined by his sin. We're not defined by our mistakes. We are defined by the blood of Jesus and his resurrection. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He rose from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of God, and he's got his arm around you, whether you see it or not, or whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. He has his arm around you, and he is interceding for you to the Father, saying, you know what? Hey, this person needs love. They need help. They're, they're, I see their heart. I know they, they've repented. They're covered by my blood. I've paid the price. I paid the price. So we're saints. We're no longer sinners. We are saints. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. When we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we can act differently. See, because then we're not, we're not, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. You see, 
We've already conquered. We are already there. We're already home. You see, we can bring blessings to every people, tongue, and tribe, and nation. See, now our call is to pull people out of the gates of hell and bring them into the family of God. Are you with me? All right. Now, this is how we do that. All right. A biblical man, a biblical man seeks to know the heart of God. And you shall teach him the statutes. In other words, you know, God gave us the Ten Commandments. Those are rules and laws. Now, did he give us those Ten Commandments so that, so that we could, you know, have to get in line and, uh, you know, we, to make us miserable? Did he do that? No. He gave us those Ten Commandments so that we could bring blessings in the world. You think about what the Ten Commandments are. Honor your father and your mother, you know. Take a Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Rest. You think about, you know, don't, don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't covet. You know, all those things that make us miserable <laughs> and make other people around us miserable. He says, hey, I'm giving you that. He says, the reason is because I love you. I love you and I want to bless you. Okay, that's why he gives us that. He says, I want you to know my heart. My heart is that I love you. I love you. And I want your heart to be good because my heart is good. I want you to be like me. You know, Ephesians 5, and you guys just studied this recently. Says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. Love people like because God loved us. A biblical man, a biblical man lives by a higher standard of behavior. Okay? Now, Jesus, when he was here, he hung out with he hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with sinners. He, they said he was, he, he was uh, with drunk, drunkards and gluttons and, and women of, of ill repute, that kind of thing. You know what and Jesus said? He said, I came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. He says, now you wonder what I'm talking about? He says, now you've heard in the law that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that any man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery, whether in his heart. I'm telling you to a higher standard. I'm not saying don't be technical. He says if you start thinking about it, you start says a higher standard. I want you to live by our standard. The apostle Paul said, but fornication and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is fitting among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor silly talk, nor levity which are not fitting, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Then he goes on to say, Be sure of this that no fornicator or impure man or one who is covetous, that is an idolater, is going to receive any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, those are harsh words, but they're harsh words because he wants us to know that, hey, when we do those things, it alienates us from one another and the blessings that he's called us to give in the world, and it alienates us from our heavenly Father. He wants us to bring blessings. He wants us to be godly men. He wants us to be men and, and women and children who are honoring to him. He wants us to seek him, not the world's way, but his way. Okay? It says a biblical man is a doer of the word, you know, and what they must do, and what they must do. And you know what? What we must do is we must make a decision. You're called to make a decision. And when you're called to make a decision, you're called to do something. And the Bible tells us this. It says, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know what? He calls us to respond to Jesus. And when we respond to Jesus, then we start acting like Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit of God 
When we respond to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and begins to work through us, and he changes us from the inside out. Now, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day. Please give your life to Jesus. Please don't leave this place without giving your life to Jesus. Pastor Muta and his team, uh, you know, they, they're here. They will speak with you, and they will lead you to Jesus. You know, don't leave here without Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the mighty and in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for all the examples you've given us in your word of what a biblical man is. Lord, we just thank you that you've shown us through Jesus what a biblical man is and what you've called us to to be a biblical human being and to honor you and to know you and to bring blessings into this world. So just pray that your word will be rich in our hearts today as we leave you in Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.